Hello everybody, welcome back to the conversation series. I'm thrilled today to have Reagan Rost here with me. Pro hockey player for the Metropolitan Riveters. She played for BU. Uh, she's the founder of Female Athlete Society. Uh, currently living up in New York and she's a mental health advocate and I am, uh, I'm thrilled to have her here with me. Uh, and I'm gonna kick it over to her and let her introduce herself. <laughs> it basically sums it up, but for the most <laughs> part, I just see myself as a person that's constantly changing. I haven't done one thing for forever, minus hockey. And so I'm constantly looking for new ways to become a better person. So that's why I have all these endeavors that I get into. I love it. Um, and I, and I of course want to start with hockey and then move into mental health because uh, you've really done a fantastic job of combining those two and really pointing out the importance of speaking up about mental health as an athlete. But for you as a female playing hockey, you know, it's, it's sometimes heard like females actually play hockey. It's so uncommon. What is your story? I know you were very young when you started playing and you put on pair of skates, but what was, what got you into hockey? Where did hockey start for you? I usually start with my aunt taking me to our first hockey game, but I, I really think it was my mom putting us on skates in Oxnard, California. Yeah. And that was when I was three years old. And so I didn't really become addicted to hockey until I was five though. But the first time I ever skated was when I was three. And then we started playing me and my sister in a little kids league that the Memphis River Kings started. And we were there for probably until I was about 10 years old. Then we started traveling to Nashville, started traveling to Pittsburgh, and it's just been nonstop ever since all over the world. You grew up in a place where hockey is not, not very well known to be like a city of hockey. You've talked about you had to travel very far distances just to be able to go and play and train, and uh, you got to do it with your best friend. But what was what was that like for you growing up like you didn't have a, a team in your city that you were able to to you know go play for yeah me and my best friend we played ice hockey for the memphis blues when we were growing up so that was the only real travel team that we had yeah. and that was about a and i i guess if i paired it up against anything else it might be like double b hockey <laughs> but it still was like a great group of guys that we were with like they pushed us on and off the ice and nice. we're definitely grateful to have had them but when we started traveling it was just non-stop like i said yeah. before we were always everywhere whether it was detroit or boston or pittsburgh or chicago and we were just doing it together. So we didn't really know anything different. It, it didn't seem hard at the time, but yeah. looking back, I could never do all of those drives ever again, the <laughs> way that we did them. And I'm sure you had a, you've had a great family base that your mom was the one who was kind of pushing you guys around and driving you guys around, uh, which is, is one thing that when you hear hockey parents talk, like people who are playing in the NHL or any kind of hockey, like they point to their parents because that is how, that's how you travel around. They, they're a massive supporter for you. So I can imagine uh, that you had a huge family support there on that one. Really, I think it was just my mom and my sister at the end of the day. I mean, obviously my extended family, they all supported it, but my mom was a driving force behind everything. Without her, we would not have made it as far as we did. So it's 
pretty great. I think my mom is the most dedicated hockey mom out there. I don't really think anyone else can top it because even when my mom was with the other parents that were driving with us from Mississippi, my mom was always one driving the 12 yes. hours straight for us. And so That's I think awesome. of all people, she's one of the most dedicated. Now, fast forward, you played for RIT um, and then you get to go to BU and hockey fans out there, we, we understand the passion and the, and the love that, you know, Boston has for their hockey and the infamy that, you know, lives around BU. Can you share a little bit of your journey playing for BU and uh, how you got there? So I got there, not even from the transfer portal, because that wasn't actually a thing at the time. So I was just going through connections and it ended up being my ninth grade coach knew the assistant coach at the time, asked if they had any spots. They said that they might. And then I went on a tour. It went really well. Thank goodness, because I had no other options. Don't tell them I said that. (laughs) They decided to offer me a full ride there for the two years. And so at first, actually, I was only about uh, 75%. So I got the first year full. And then the second year was 75% or something along those lines, which was still expensive. When you're looking at 70 grand a year, I'm like, "Mm, I don't know if I can pay that. And anyways, my first year there, we didn't do as well as a team, but we definitely started to find our cohesion throughout that next summer. And so we went on a tear my senior year. And I think after how hard my coach saw that I worked my first year, he decided to give me that extra full. And I was like, thank you, because my mom and I cannot afford this place whatsoever. Yeah. And I just want to say, like, my teammates there were incredible. I have some of my best friends there, and I'm so grateful for that. And so being at BU, you win the bean pot, which for those who do not know any any idea, bean pot is uh, bean pot championship is a very uh, it's Boston teams four Boston teams. You've got BU, Harvard. Let's see if I can get the other two, uh, Northeastern. Yep. And then what's the last one? BC. BC. Okay. Um, but you won, you won the bean pot and then you are actually in the bean pot hall of fame. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> don't know how I ended up there, <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah. That hardest two games I've ever played in my life. Wow. Let me just put that out there. <laughs> it was like, so it was the longest dry streak ever. I think yeah. for women's hockey in the bean pot. Yeah. There, we had this ongoing joke that one year BU didn't play and Brown ended up taking our spot and they won it that year. So we had the same amount of bean pots as Brown. We're like, this is embarrassing. So it was a, a great feeling to actually finally win that. And I think it just went to show how much work we put in throughout like my senior year, that 2019 year. We were a very close team. We had all one thing in mind and obviously it was winning a bean pot. We wish we could have kept going into the national championship, but we'll take one. Yeah. We're not too picky. After BU, you graduate. Uh, and then we hit the lovely, the lovely COVID and you actually got the opportunity to go overseas and play. Um, Sweden was, is where you spent a good amount of time just really quickly differences in in hockey from here to europe what what was it like for you 
So I actually played my first year pro in Boston, and then I went to Budapest for short, short amount of time, which was six weeks. And that was because COVID hit. I ended up going back home. But while I was over there, some of my teammates actually played with me here at the Metropolitan Rivers, which is really funny. And not many people spoke English, so that was a little bit tougher. Country is beautiful. The city of Budapest is beautiful. Hungary is amazing. Wow. And it was very, very intense. From what I remember from the workouts, <laughs> I think we did like a ladder. So we did like a 100, a 200, a 300, a 400, and then back down. And then we had on ice practice. Then I think we had lift. And then I'm pretty sure we swam. If not, like that was like another day. But wow. the swimming was like a 500, like 20 laps. And so that was very intense. It was really fun. It was a good level of hockey. And then when I went over to Sweden, it was pretty similar. Okay. My teammates love to work out. They yeah. Yeah. are always in the gym. They're jacked. Yeah. All the Swedes are jacked. And I think it's a little bit different style of play just because you're playing on an Olympic ice sheet, which is a little bit wider than the NHL sheet that we play on here. Yeah. But pretty fast paced regardless and very skilled. It was one of the best leagues that I've played in up until now. And so it was a great time. I've heard nothing but incredible things from people about playing overseas and just having that experience. I've heard it could, you know, some of the ranks are just built differently and older and things like that. But then it's just, it's a, it's a different playing field. Um, but it's cool. So cool that you got to go play over in Sweden. I think Sweden's a beautiful country. And so, um, I'm sure it was fabulous to be over there. It was so pretty. I'm actually going back this summer too, just because I want to experience it in the summer yeah. versus in the cold, cold winter time that I had to be in <laughs> when you're getting four hours of sunlight. And now I'm going to yes. go in when it's midsummer and you get 24 hours of sunlight, which is really cool. So I'm pumped about that. You're now playing for the Metropolitan Riveters uh, up in New York. I love that on your TikTok, you share a ton of your team, your pregame rituals and things like that. When it comes to game time, what does Regan's before a game look like? It kind of varies depending on, I mean, <laughs> the timing of when we get somewhere. Oh, on our way to Connecticut, we got pulled over. So that really messed up our pre-game warm-up. We probably had like five or 10 minutes to get ready. And then when I'm at home, I'll get there around two hours, 15 minutes early. I'll tape my stick. I'll get dressed, obviously. And then we'll usually have a meeting beforehand. And after that, me and some of my teammates will go upstairs and then we do like our warm up. It's all individual based. Some people play soccer. I like to just do my own thing, stretch, roll out, run, dynamic warm up. And then I will usually be the last one to go downstairs. I'll drink my NOCO or energy drink, whatever I have that day. And then I will head down, get dressed in like three minutes tops. And then I just wait for the coaches to come in or whatever it is. And then we go out for warm warm up. So it's pretty simple. I don't have like too much that I have to get done. Hop into female athlete society real quick. Can you set the stage of what this is and what the, what your purpose behind it is? 
I started Female Athlete Society back in 2020. Okay. So October 2020, probably December 2020 was like the real start. Yeah. And basically the whole premise of it is just to get female athletes resources that they need to be a female athlete in every single aspect of life. And so yeah. we had a community for about a year and I was running that and it was a lot of work and it was pretty tough for me to manage. So I kept up with the Instagram page more than anything. And so took a break from that actually middle of last year and I just started doing things again for it this coming up or last week. So now it's like a whole new kind of rebuild of like just how the post looks and everything. And now I'm going to try and restart that community as well, just because I know how necessary it is in order to be able to talk to other female athletes around the world. So it's a resource page more than anything. Connecting it with your mental health. I just want to begin and hear what made you start speaking out first about mental health and how important as an athlete mental health is to you? So when I was 14, I had my first run in with really bad depression and anxiety, and it led to a lot of suicidal ideation to where I almost did end up taking my life. And so when I was younger, obviously social media wasn't as big. So this was back in like 2011 before Instagram really took off Before athletes were really speaking out about it. And so I didn't really know what my options were when I was growing up and I ended up running into it again over and over. And as I got older, probably actually even my 10th grade year, I realized I had friends that were still struggling with yeah. that stuff. Like I wasn't the only one going through it. And so I think it took me a little bit of time to get the courage to actually speak out about it, but probably around my years in college, especially at BU, I definitely started being more open with my teammates about what I was struggling with. I was open with my coaches because yeah. I wasn't going to make it through unless I had that support. And so now that I have a decent sized following, I definitely try to talk about as much as possible, share resources and just not be as afraid as I was before to be judged. And even though I still feel a little bit of judgment, yeah. I post it anyways, because my thing is, is if it helps one person, that's all that matters at the end of the day. And so I try to be as open as possible and keep my DMs open as much as possible and respond to everyone whenever they have questions. So that's why I'm so open about mental health. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. And I'm so, I'm so glad um that you speak out about it i think it's something that there are so many people out there that have so many issues and just don't feel comfortable doing it but i think it always helps to see that others just like them are going through things like that because i think it makes them feel safer um, especially athletes i think there's a whole group of group and community of athletes that uh have a ton of mental health that uh, have gone through their own journeys that they just don't speak out about. So I think it's always important when an athlete steps up and says, I've had these issues. I know I'm not the only mm -hmm. one. Um, I think it, it, it broadens the conversation a ton. A hundred percent. And it's still so necessary. Like the stigma is not over yet. Oh. And I think the more that we speak out about it, the easier it's going to be for other people just to even ask for help. Yeah. Not even just projecting what they're going through to the world, but just asking a friend for help. I want to hop back to to hockey and ask how you came to uh, to the Riveters and uh, 
what it's like up in New York City from a from a girl from Mississippi and uh, that area. So I was actually retired after Sweden. Okay. I retired multiple times, is what <laughs> I will say. I not really sure I plan on retiring this year. So two times right now. And basically I was working on California and I wasn't necessarily happy with the situation that I was in. There was a lot of stuff going on in my personal life and work and everything along those lines. And I was with my aunt, actually, we were heading to a boat to go to an island off the coast of California. It was like a little family trip that we were doing, which was really nice because I didn't get to spend that much time with her. And I got a text and he was like, hey, I'm the assistant coach for the Metropolitan Riveters. I was hoping we could jump on the phone today. I'm like, that's weird. Why is he messaging me? <laughs> and so I was like, yeah, I'm uh, on vacation right now, but maybe I can give you a call midday. And so they were, they had practice and they were training something along those lines. And I think around 2 p.m. we ended up jumping on the phone call and literally three hours off the coast of California. I barely have cell service. I don't even know how I have cell service, to be honest with you. And I just had to stand in one spot because if I moved to like too far to the right or too far to the left, I would lose it. And so I was standing there chatting with them and they basically offered me a spot. So they were super wow. interested. And so I was like, I'm gonna have to think about this. <laughs> so I got back to them a little bit after, after I'd like really weighed the pros and cons of everything. and. Then a couple of weeks later, I was moving out. Love it. And so what, what is it that you love about your position? So, like there are people, I, goalies, I don't understand goalies. There is something special about goalies and their mindset that I'm like, it takes a special breed to be a goalie and just stand and oh, yeah. be shot out 24 <laughs> seven. But what, what is it that you love about the position you play? So I actually play everywhere. I play wherever coach and puts Rover. me. <laughs> and so uh, this season, I actually played two months uh, defense and then two months as a forward. I started as wing on the forward and then I moved to center. And nice. uh, there's a lot to like about all the different positions. The one thing I do not like about playing center is the fact that you have to skate more than everyone else. And I prefer to play defense because yeah. I don't have to skate that much. Yeah. Well, I skate in a different way than other people skate. Yeah. And so I like defense because... For me, I think I think more defensively than okay. most people. Okay. And so I'm able to jump in. I'm able to back out when I know that I should not be in the situation. I like having the rushes come towards me. I like taking one-on-ones. Like I think having that pressure is so much fun. Yeah. And so if I get an on-man rush, like a two-on-one, a three-on-two, three-on-one, I'm going to do everything I can to try and stop it. Yeah. And then it's just like on – power play or penalty kill or having a killing killer mentality and so I'm super aggressive I would say that's why I get a few too many penalties but that's okay <laughs> but uh playing defense is really it's honestly one of the most enjoyable positions I've ever played you know playing hockey for you know a great big portion of your life and you've gotten to play with guys you've you're now playing on an all-female team where have you been able to see the growth in terms of females in, in sports like hockey or just just in general? In hockey specifically, I've these next level kids, these yeah. the next generation of kids coming up. Yeah. Some of them are filthy. And they 
I think it's because they have access to see all these videos and see what other people are doing. And it makes me pumped to watch college hockey. It makes me excited yeah. to see which kids are going to come from college and play here in the pros next year and years following. I think now they see how much work goes into it. Obviously, there's a lot of stress that comes with that, but there's also a lot of opportunity. So yeah. when I was first graduating college, even though it was only four years ago now, yeah. I didn't have as many opportunities as the kids that are graduating now with like the two leagues here yeah. with everything along those lines going over to Europe, like they know that that is the next step for them. And so it's pretty cool to see that they have those opportunities now. And even in other sports, these kids are working year round, which yeah. I do not recommend, but they are. And it just shows like how much they do love the sport and how much you're going to do whatever it takes in order to achieve their dreams. So it's yeah. been really cool to see that progress over the years. It is cool to see uh, such a growth in the game of hockey. I live, I live in the South. So the South is like this forbidden thing that people don't understand why there is hockey down here, but we're like, we love it just as much as everybody up North <laughs> or uh, in Canada. So it's, uh, it's really cool just to be able to see the love for hockey spreading, um, across the country, overseas, whatever it may be. It's, it's been really enjoyable uh, to watch the community grow. Yeah. We had some people from San Diego at our games this past weekend. Wow. They're like, this was our first like pro game and wow. for a women's game. I was like, are you serious? You guys came to watch us? Like, yeah. And it was so incredible. And so I posted their message on my story and it just was, honestly so heartwarming to see that and I also this past weekend had one of the kids and his dad who used to be my coach like my first coach ever one of my first coaches ever they came to my last game this season and it was just so full circle to start in Mississippi and then they are able to see me play where I am now. Regan my last question for you is just what inspires you? I would say not only my friends and everyone that I've met thus far, but the next generation is the one thing that keeps me pushing more than anything, just because I know that they are going to make a huge difference in yeah. women's sports and sports in general. So I'm really excited to see that. And I'm just inspired by all the women that I play with too, every day. They yeah. keep, keep me going. Honestly, <laughs> we have some incredible people that we play with. Like we have a, full-time nurse we have teachers wow. we have people that are in sales like yeah. finance everything so it's really awesome to be around women that are pushing the needle forward in every aspect of life that's super cool i can't thank you enough for coming on and sharing your story and uh can't wait to see you guys play next season and for your season to start but can't thank you enough for coming on and talking with me today yeah thanks so much for having me this was awesome and as always i will see you guys back here next time bye y'all